Welcome to the Kane and Rince podcast. This is volume 11, issue 519 on Hitman 3. I am James Carter, and joining me in issue 519 are Ryan Zhao. Agent 47, reporting for duty. <laughs> His famous catchphrase. <laughs> the the well known series staple. Uh, uh, we also have Brian Edwards. Hello, hello. And last but not least, a pleasure to finally be able to podcast with him, Richard Dudeson. Oh, yeah, I'll be going by Tobias Rebirth for this episode. Thanks very much. <laughs> Absolutely. And and many other aliases uh, thereafter. So we are talking Hitman 3. IO Interactive developer, but also publisher for the first time in the series history. I did go back and check. Codename 47 was with IDOS. Uh, Square Enix have, have uh, published most of those games. Hitman 2 was WB. Um, and then this time around, they published themselves. Uh, the game was ultimately released on the 21st of January, 2021 on PC via the Epic Store, Stadia, PS4, PS5, Switch, Xbox One, Xbox Series X and S. The full suite, just about everything it could be released on viably, uh, it was released on. Uh, meaning that the World of Assassination trilogy was in its entirety released on PS4 and Xbox One era consoles. The second part of, of the release was the 20th of January 2022, so 12 months later. It came to Steam, and the Hitman trilogy was kind of released as a whole package, uh, including coming to Xbox Game Pass. Um, okay, our first por- part of uh, kind of community feedback. Um, so I wonder, Ryan, if you could take this one, please. Yeah, this comes from Toonskatoon, who says, This is the first Hitman game that I've ever played. I've heard effusive praise for the series on this show and in other gaming outlets, and I've heard talk of the gallows humor on display during Agent 47's earlier murderous campaigns. I just didn't realize how much more clearly the jokes hit when you were experiencing them yourself. It is almost as if the designers set out to create a simulation of one of these anecdotes you might hear at a party where no one laughs, and then the teller clearly holding back a mirthful tear says, I guess you had to be there. Only in this case, the, uh, the teller is Hannibal Lecter, and the story is probably about someone getting crushed in a grape vat, or exploded by a golf ball, or decapitated by a hairdryer. <laughs> okay, I don't think that last one ever happens, but uh, there's another Hitman game, so who knows. That's the thing about a good hit or a good joke, you never see it coming. Very true. Yeah, we heard from uh, several people, especially on the forum, actually, who this was their first Hitman game, which I think speaks to the um, sales figures being so much better for this one. Um, it probably makes sense for us to cover a little bit of our histories. So shall we start with you, Rich? Go for it. Yeah. So um, this is not my first Hitman game. In actuality, probably up until I would say uh, 2014, given that uh, the world of um, assassination came out in 2015, I would have counted Hitman among my favorite game series. And honestly, the reason I didn't pick up uh, Hitman, the, the remake, if you like, was because I'm, I'm just generally not a fan of that kind of agile development, the kind of MVP, episodic style delivery it mm. it doesn't really sort of sit well with how I like to play games. Um, and I reasoned that I'd probably pick it up when it's fully developed and um, would do that, but it, it just never happened. And so the Hitman 3 re- in the remake w- was actually my first in the, in the world of assassination. Um, I didn't pick it up on launch. I got it in March, so a good two months after it was released, and it just... Mm-hmm just because it coincided with my birthday and I was looking for something to play. So for me, very much Hitman 3 is less of like a singular experience and and a kind of group of levels. It's one of those things. Hitman 3 is essentially a platform. 
um, that Hitman 2 and Hitman 1 rest upon. So coming into this recording, it was a really difficult um, sort of a proposition trying to consolidate all of my thoughts of, of the three games and, and really focus on the, the third game. And you might kind of hear that bleed out in some of my observations. Uh, the other thing that's possibly worth noting is that I played mm. on PS4 and actually about a week into into playing this, I picked up a PS5. So I made that, I, w- I wouldn't say it was an elegant transition from PS4 <laughs> to PS5, but it was a transition nonetheless. And um, yeah, the, the game kind of, um, yeah, it, I mean, it, it's good that it works on both, I would say. Yeah. Um, no, thank you for that. Um, Ryan, how about yourself? Yeah, I think I think I've mentioned on the Hitman 2 show kind of previous histories that I I dabbled in a little bit of uh Blood of Bunny previous to the Hitman World of Assassination trilogy, but I picked up Hitman 2016 pretty much immediately after it launched uh just because I was I was really entertained by some of the videos that I saw coming out and I thought this looks like really really good fun. And then uh Hitman 2 is kind of a similar story like I um I picked that one up right at launch and I was very obsessively it was kind of like any free time that i had would go towards hitman 2 and kind of sussing out more of these challenges along the way and just spending more time in these worlds getting those um suit only silent assassin rankings played that one on xbox and on pc as well and then um hitman 3 when that came out you know every hitman game it's kind of like you see the sales numbers and you're like oh this is going to be the last one unfortunately but then they announce hitman 2 and it's like oh yeah great they still got it in them and they uh but you know surely this is going to be the last one because that one again didn't sell as well as it deserved and uh then they announced hitman 3 and then after that they're like okay this is it this is the end no dlc mm-hmm. no nothing and then a year or so down the line they announced that they are in fact producing some dlc so it's kind of the little engine that could uh even when it looks like it's kind of running up against walls here and there um you know i'm i'm, I'm glad that they continue to develop and um, I'll say just like to kind of head off the conversation here that while I think Hitman 3 is, I would probably rank it as like the highest quality package of the three, um, not to get mm-hmm. too far ahead of uh, of the discussion here. I, I really, really like the levels that they've picked out. I think that it's, it's just kind of exceptionally well designed, but um, it's definitely the one that I spent the least time with by a mm-hmm. very, very large margin. And, um, you know, I think it's probably due to just kind of being in a different place in my life, potentially, you know, getting a little bit more into kind of variety gaming. I, I think I've been happier over the past couple of years than I had been previously. And so I, I find when I'm less happy in life, like I tend to kind of gravitate more on like replaying comfort games over and over again. Yeah. And so I think I needed less of that. And uh, Game Pass has been more consistently like interesting as far as serving up a variety of indie games on a regular basis and so you know mm-hmm. perhaps less time getting uh, kind of sunk into these long time sinks uh, some of my time sink comfort gaming has gone towards monster hunter in those last couple of years you know it's kind of been a new staple in my life maybe taking the place of hitman and uh, i think i had just played so much hitman 2 that i kind of burnt myself out on it a little bit and I was uh, kind of hoping that it would blow over before 3 came out, but I don't think that was really the case. So um, I'm still very enthusiastic, but I think this one is, it occupies a different space in my heart and mind than the previous ones did. No, I, I can I can kind of uh, see that. I, I spent way more time on Hitman 2 than any of the other games in the series, I think. Uh, and 3, yeah, I, I 
I agree with that assessment that hand on heart, I can probably make the argument that this is the the more polished, uh, more tightly designed uh, game out of the, the series and kind of they learn from the lessons of the previous ones. But I kind of blitzed through this game in some respects and definitely didn't spend as much time on it as, as previously. And to get the rest of my history out of the way, this series is one of my absolute favourites. This trilogy feels like an absolute gift that I never thought would happen after Absolution. Um, not that we've covered that game yet. And is up there in my top five as a kind of package, my top five games of all time. Uh, not not even a question. I chose this as my game for this year to talk about, hence me being on here and hosting. Um, and, uh, and I had this pre-ordered from before it came out. I'd switched over uh, to PS... Um, Three, no, four, PS4. Um, no, it must be, it would have been PS5. Sorry, what I'm talking about. I had a PS5 by then. Switched over to PS5 so that I, so that I could, if I wanted to, try out PlayStation VR, which I never actually did, but uh, I'd previously played on Xbox mostly. So yeah, that's kind of my, um, history with the game and having completely upset the order I had in the show notes. Brian, shall we come to your history? No, mine's pretty simple. I, uh, pre-ordered it just like Ryan. I, um, was a big fan of the first two games in this World of Assassination trilogy, and I was pretty much, as soon as they announced that I was going to be day one, I actually played through Dubai and, let's say, maybe half of Dartmoor before I had to take a break for about, I don't know, maybe two or three weeks um, mm-hmm. for reasons that I see here in our show notes we'll be talking about quite soon, mm-hmm. getting quite frustrated right at the beginning mm-hmm. um, because because of issues that were going on. Probably a lot of it because of the popularity of the game. Um, and so I kind of walked away from it, um, came back um, with fresh eyes, and then I was like, oh, I'll play through Dubai once more, which, of course, led to level 10 mastery of that. And then right through and just kind of hit, hit, hit. I spent the better part of my April of that year playing nothing but um, Hitman 3. But though similar to Ryan, I do think it's probably the one I've logged the least amount of hours into probably because like I played the first Hitman, I was all over it. And the second one, I played through all the Hitman two levels, then replayed all the Hitman one levels again. And then with Hitman three, I was starting to do that. And eventually I much like Ryan had to move on and do other things. But, but yeah, I've been, um, uh, like I said, on the, on the first Hitman show, um, mm-hmm. I was a PC player of the original, um, Hitman one and two, the original Hitman one and two. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was kind of leaning towards, um, like playing these games on PC, but at the time that it came out, I, I didn't have a PC capable of running these games, so I played them all, th- all three of them on the on Xbox, which was nice for consistency when it came to getting the legacy packs, as we'll talk about. I have put a very small three bullet points here about story. I think my take on story is that this kind of takes a lot of what has been done with story in the Hitman games previously and kind of brings it all together in one big story, polishes it off, kind of makes it a a trilogy story. But that being said, I don't think it's actually all that intrinsic to what I get out of these games. The story is just the bit that happens. In this game, it's maybe a little bit more well integrated into the missions themselves rather than just being cutscenes between and we do have cutscenes this time we'll come to that um but just as a kind of uh, overview you pick this game picks up right after the last one finishes it does continue that story there is a team of agent 47 Diana Burnwood uh, his handler Lucas Gray his for I think by this point we know former childhood friend from the facility where he was created uh, and Olivia Hall who is a uh, hacker 
who are attempting to dismantle Providence by assassinating the three partners whose families and they, as the heads of those families, control Providence, which is this shady organisation. And that's kind of all that needs to be said about Providence. <laughs> the three partners, once they're dead, the co- uh, the constant, Arthur Arthur Edwards, who kind of is the the managing director of Providence, the operational leader, um, seizes control um, and attempts to turn Diana Burnwood against 47. Stop me if you've heard that one before. And surprised by the end, Diana dupes the constant and puts 47 ostensibly in harm's way, but not really, just puts him in a position where he can take down the bad guy. It it really does feel like a redux of what we've seen previously in Hitman Blood Money as, a, as an example, um, but previous games have definitely done some of this stuff. Was there anything about the story that I did, I gave short shrift there? I think the storytelling in this one is significantly better than it's been in any of the other games in the trilogy. And I think that they, like, First of all, they integrated uh, some of the story moments into the levels better. I know at the end of Burnwood and kind of throughout the Carpathian Mountains. Uh, and then a few kind of playable interstitials. Um, mm-hmm. Sometimes when you're starting a sto- uh, starting a mission for the first time, you'll have to play through yeah. a bit of the story that you can skip in further playthroughs, which is really nice. Yeah. And uh, even the, uh, I think the cutscenes are delivered in more kind of engaging emotional ways than the previous ones, which were very like conspiracy theory, very easy to lose the thread of what's happening. Um, And I I think that there was an acknowledgement, kind of an implicit acknowledgement by IO Interactive that even engaged fans weren't following the story that closely. And so even though this Mm -hmm. does kind of culminate the, um, the story of the trilogy, I think it was also delivered in a way that didn't feel contingent upon past knowledge. Like everything that happens in this game feels kind of like a open and shut book, or at least they give you enough emotional context with the way that the characters interact to where you can quickly pick up um, where you left off. And so, you know, I'll say that like I have played the previous games extensively. I've mm-hmm. watched all of the cutscenes once and then never again. And uh, in this game, like this was the first time that I really felt engaged in what was happening. So I, I think that, you know, I just want to give them kudos for not only kind of wrapping up the longer term story that they made, but doing it in such a way that felt non alienating to new players or players who had not been paying much attention previously. <laughs> As a new player, honestly, I'm not sure that the story is compelling enough to kind of help you to kind of understand some of the the events from Hitman 1 and 2 games that I've only recently went back and, and played and actually having the benefit mm-hmm. of hindsight now. I don't think it does a particularly very good job of delivering like a political thriller in the way that perhaps you, you might want it to and, and not to jump too far ahead of the, the story. I think there's a sort of almost like a, a slavish compulsion to try and wrap, wrap up that overarching narrative, which actually makes the end of the game quite anticlimactic and, and the level that kind of sees that climax quite weak as well. Yeah, it's interesting because I agree with both of you in many ways. And I think it is good that we don't just uh, like Ryan your point about the the way it was delivered was kind of conspiracy theories and lots of lots of very difficult to follow plot threads about different groups that are competing with one another or interacting with one another and um the ICA has always been quite difficult to kind of follow aside from Agent 47 Diana Burnwood and their relationship has always kind of been the emotional center of these games and I think what this game did do was say okay Let's take those two individuals, add on Lucas Gray and Olivia Hall, kind of a um, reflection of 47 and 
Diana, and say, okay, there's our emotional story. Let's not worry about the political machinations going on around that. Let's try and actually give it a, an, an emotional sort of core to the story. Um, so, yeah, I do agree that like the 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 fact that the Berlin intro and then outro from that mission, or indeed the outro from um, Dartmoor that leads into that, does create a nice sort of story thread through. But it's really interesting, Rich, to hear that you know it wasn't able to grab you and catch you up in in without the prior knowledge. But I get the impression that you're kind of saying even if you'd had the prior knowledge from the previous games, it wouldn't necessarily have convinced you that the story was kind of the most important part of this game. Absolutely. And really, each level itself has its own kind of micro narrative which is infinitely more compelling than the overarching narrative that the series is peddling would be my observation i actually kind of laughed out loud when there was a third double cross with diana at the end like like it almost felt like they were maybe making a joke at themselves in that moment Mm -hmm. because because at that point it was just kind of like for me as far as the grand over you know through line narrative i i just kind of been it just kind of lost me i was kind of waiting to get to the next sandbox kind of thing and um and and that's i know some people that are really into the story of this game and think that it really took a nice turn i remember uh, listening to several podcasts where people saying wow i actually care about the hitman story now and it, that just never it never got mm-hmm. to that point with me um i thought the lucas gray stuff was was semi-interesting but you could kind of see the see the beats coming from a mile away. What I will say, though, is that those cutscenes are remarkably well-produced and very pretty. Um, so I always watched all of them, but I never really never really cared as much about 47's motivation as much as I did about getting to play through these levels as 47. The Glacier Engine and the, the general audio-visual experience of playing this game, it continues to impress me, the sort of level of polish and now independent, I'm not saying they're an indie studio in that respect, but an independent um, group of what I think by the end of development amounted to 200 people, not a small studio by any stretch, but kind of on their own, now completely separated, were able to put together um, in terms of, we've already mentioned the cutscenes, but the Glacier Engine and the Hitman series has always been fantastic for crowds. Um, It's not perfect. There'll be weird things where you kind of bump into someone, but, and the way it handles reflections, and also the the just audio-visual experience of playing this, um, this game. This is an impressive feat for what is essentially like a somewhat independent studio that is now kind of financing their own projects um, to be able to create. A lot of that weight, I think, is being pulled by very heavy investment from Square Enix upfront in 2016 and then carrying yep. forward a lot of that, the the good tech and the good shortcuts they were able to build into the engine at that time. So I don't know if if... if you know, even IO were creating something entirely brand new independently right now, whether they could achieve the same levels without that kind of like legacy yeah. of uh, major publisher support at this time. Um, but yeah. it's, uh, it, it is one of the most like graphically impressive games that I've ever played. Um, the fact that it doesn't use ray tracing or at least it, ray tracing is being patched into it. I, I think still in the future, as of the time of recording, I don't think that's happened yet. But the fact that like the reflections are so good, even before ray tracing is patched in, the lighting is so good, just based on like these kind of weird. Uh, we talked about it in the Hitman Two show. I think it's something like texture mapping or uh, some. It was a, a more clever and a more computer 
computation costly process than the regular kind of like screen space reflections that you're used to seeing, yeah. but it looks fantastic. And the, um, the reflections in rain puddles, especially in, um, in, uh, some of these kind of nighttime levels, uh, just, they look, they look better than the ray tracing reflections that I've seen in, in yeah. ray tracing enabled games. And, uh, I, yeah. it, it's an incredible, incredibly technically impressive game. And, uh, yeah, I, I just, they do a great job. <laughs> yeah. I'll talk to a little bit more when we get into the levels, but I think two of these levels specifically are just like, have those jaw dropping beginning moments. It's just like, wow. Okay. Video games, right? <laughs> like, yeah, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Like it just like has that moment of just pow in your face. Um, so yeah, no, the game, the game just looks brilliant. If I had to give any kind of aesthetic criticism mm. is that um, I, I appreciate that each level does have a color scheme. You know, you think of uh, going to, um, you know, Dubai is very gold. Dartmoor is very brown. Berlin is very black. Chongqing is very purple and pink. But uh, I, I think the, the, um, the way that this is accomplished in Dubai, it's by like very consistent art asset creation throughout the level. Whereas in Dartmoor, I'm pretty sure that they just have kind of a brown filter over the screen and that just looks a little bit muddy. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I think there's kind of varying levels of success when it comes to like implementing, implementing color consistency. Uh, They do a good job of like, of thinking about it from like a holistic artistic perspective. But uh, yeah, for some reason, every time I boot up Dartmoor, it always takes me a little bit of time of kind of adjusting to the like weird screen filter that I'm now subjected to. And I, I just, I don't like that. I mean, it's quite indicative of what the, the, the British weather seems to be to me as a, as hey, a native <laughs> Englishman, I suppose. Uh, the, the way that the light diffuses and the use of bloom in, in this game is, is just exceptionally impressive. I find mm-hmm. like, especially when you move between an indoor area and an outdoor area, it's a big problem that I've got with a lot of games, the feeling of, not really like you know that that sense of place of, of being somewhere which is an indoor space and an outdoor space and in particular the the Abu Dhabi level um you know the, that that really kind of blends the the kind of or bends what we consider to be a, an indoor and an outdoor area as well so it's all good stuff so the other aspect of the technical side that we really do want to uh, look at is the gameplay again this follows on from previous games and in that vein we have a post from Cardboard Cowboy from the forum uh, again. I wonder, Brian, if you could uh, run us through this one, please. It's clear that IO have taken all the tricks they learned from Hitman 2016 and Hitman 2 and built a world which is a marvel to explore and to find new ways to manipulate and in some cases break to your own nefarious advantage. There are a few new gameplay features that have been added in, but really these only affect early level playthroughs. Things like unlocking shortcut doors and hatches which remain open on future playthroughs are handy, although using the new camera to hack windows and panels and entering forged security door codes are a neat touch at first, but quickly become an annoyance, especially when they have to be done every time a level is played, even if you do manage to, manage to memorize the codes. However, these are normally only limited to a couple of instances per level, which mitigates the frustration to some extent. Um, I think it's fair to say the new additions in Hitman 3 were more mechanically noticeable but less impactful than they were between Hitman 1 and 2. Between Hitman 1 and 2, it was stuff like extra foliage and the way that mirrors worked changed and some of the kind of behind-the-scenes type of stuff, whereas in this case, right off the bat, you're given a camera and you're told to scan a lock and it will be hacked for you, which felt weird to me. That felt like a weird addition. 
it didn't affect my playthrough that much because you only have to do it in a couple of sort of key points. Also, the introduction of numerical keypads where literally it'll pop up and you have to type in a code. Um, it does stay, I think, consistent between different playthroughs. So you can just remember those key codes and it becomes a non-entity. But um, unlike where numerical keypads are kind of seen as a nice way to, to get the player a bit more involved, you have to remember the code and then you have to go and type it in rather than just automatically doing it. Felt a little odd to me. Also, the other thing it does with this is sometimes it won't let you through a door one way unless you have a key card or a key code, but it will let you through the other. I thought that was a neat touch because that's probably how a lot of doors do work in secure environments. They will let you come out of the secure area but not go in generally um so that makes perfect sense uh but the last one that people will notice because they're very obvious when you see them is the persistent shortcuts which looked usually like kind of lock locked off doorways or um ladders that you can kind of unlock with either a crowbar or uh i think usually a crowbar it might be that you can get a key as well um, and once you've opened them they op remain open so an example is there's kind of a, a back route out of the publicly accessible area in the winery into the kind of the private uh estate um, that once you have gone into the private estate and come out again, you've unlocked that uh, shortcut you can use in subsequent playthroughs, which is quite nice. How did these three new additions strike each of us? I wonder if, Ryan, maybe you can touch on that first. Yeah, uh, the camera, I didn't really end up using that much. You know, it, it's useful. I think chunking in the the science lab is like the only time that I, and I guess in uh, Dubai a little bit, but they're yeah. the only time so I like regularly will use the camera. But um, for the most part, like I think it's an interesting idea and I kind of wish there was more optional stuff to do with it, but um, it feels like it railroads you into kind of a tutorial and then it never really like makes great use of it again. So if there was a Hitman 4 where the camera was better integrated, then I can see it becoming kind of a favorite tool. But uh, for now, uh, I'm not really that impressed with its inclusion. Seems like it could be a sort of James Bondy type gadget. Yeah. I almost wondered at that point whether, oh, this is them showing they can do more spy stuff than assassin stuff. And I'm certain that they're trying a bunch of new things in Hitman 3 that they'll want to carry forward, you know, doing some mm. tests here while they have a, you know, good engine to work on. Uh, the numerical keypads, I think, are a little bit inexcusable like i'm I'm so used to games when you learn a keypad combination either by like yep. reading it in a book or or entering it correctly once like featuring that note on screen every time going forward and like it makes sense from an immersion perspective that like you have to memorize it but uh <laughs> but given that this is the type of game that i return to like yeah. months later down the line and i'll keep replaying the same levels over and over mm -hmm. again like I'm not going to remember these keypad combinations. And so I will inevitably just end up going to Google for it, which is, mm -hmm. uh, it takes me out of the game. It's just a negative experience all around. Like it really should be on screen for subsequent entries. Yeah. And then the uh, persistent shortcuts, I think were kind of a direct influence from Dark Souls popularity. Like I, I, I think that like that is something where I'm certain that when these came up in design conversations, it was because people really liked them in the Dark Souls games. I, I think that they're interesting and I think that they, they're a good way of circumventing having to do the same kind of annoying long routes over and over again without making the levels too easy on first attempts. You first know, they, they yeah. strike that balance of like something that you can, uh, you can kind of, you know, skip 
annoying repetition. Mm -hmm. They're a fun thing to kind of stumble upon, have the right tool, you know, because oftentimes they're in kind of like difficult to find places. And so, you know, that can be really rewarding. Um, I think they're a really good inclusion. Like I'm, I'm a lot more forgiving about these things. I think you mm-hmm. know, I, I very seldom sold those one-way doors. If I'm being honest with you, because they usually kind of um, are there to. Well, we know that they're there to funnel players through like a, a much more prescribed experience. But you yeah. know, the way that I look at these kind of things is, it sounds to me more like something that a, a product owner in the development cycle would be like, "Yeah, isn't this a great idea?" And, and so they, they 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 go away and do it, and then find a way to, yeah, to yeah, put it in yeah. there. And it's a very Ubisoft way of kind of development, where you kind of um, lift and shift these components components out of out of your game and into different things so i tend to look at it less as kind of like how does it feature in this one game and more look to what regards is this kind of pushing the paradigm and helping them to to kind of like sculpt out their own kind of uh or rather the next title i think the, the glaring problems maybe too strong a word but the, the the strange kind of um use of the camera in this game is kind of bizarre because i don't know if it's got a dedicated photo mode it's not something that i spend a great deal of time with myself but it is in there and i'm not really sure how that kind of matches the kind of growing demand for for photo mode in 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 kind of contemporary gaming those are the new additions otherwise i've put here the same old game which seems really dismissive but this is a game that is the third in a trilogy there has been two to three years between each one so they're not reinventing hitman each time it's still in the same uh engine and to me i'll say my kind of perspective on this the differences are in how much better I feel the level design has evolved from game to game through this three-game series, but over also the 20 years of, of Hitman. And so I don't tend to worry too much about the the little gameplay changes. I think this is about as, as smooth playing a Hitman game, you know, is as smooth playing a Hitman game as I've ever experienced. Is that a, a fair position to take, a fair statement to make, or chime in with your own perspective on on this i appreciate in this game that every level seems to be going for a different kind of objective in a way or a Mm -hmm. different way of playing hitman almost it's kind of a culmination of like all of the you know like i said up front like hitman is very open to you know the various ways that you want to engage with the game each of these levels seems to be kind of built specifically around different types of players and different types of challenges which is kind of a um kind of a brave move uh in that like Mm -hmm. this series has really thrived on having open-ended sandboxes that all of these different types of challenges could take place within in kind of funneling these types of challenges down into more specific you know i think uh, dartmoor is the easiest example that one is built around a core story that takes place and that you can interact and uh, very deeply with um as you are kind of playing this this murder detective um, in trying mm-hmm. to determine, you know, who committed and who is going to continue to commit murders in this in this mansion, and because it does such a good job of 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 doing that very specific thing, it does kind of narrow the scope of what else you're able to do in the mansion a little bit. You know, it, it's mm-hmm. a little bit harder to like sneak around in the shadows. It's still possible. It's a little bit. I, I guess, you know, it's still like social stealth is still pretty viable there, but like it doesn't feel as like as expansive as far as options go as perhaps, you know, Sapienza or some of the games from the previous. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. yeah but I, uh, but I, I think that like, so, you know, as they focused in on these very specific things, you know, Berlin 
in having these kind of 11 different targets that you can try to kind of suss out who is a target and who isn't by overhearing conversations. Like that's a, such an interesting challenge. And, you know, Chongqing having these kind of dual layers of the city, Mendoza having the handler on the map as well as kind of a friendly non-target uh, that mm-hmm. you have to protect. And um, they, they they make these these really big swings. And I think it's just down to the the deafness of the design and the amount that the team has kind of learned and evolved and grown over the years that yeah. still makes even the more kind of linear segments uh, really, really compelling and mm-hmm. um, really exciting to engage with multiple times uh, rather than, you know, I think of like some of the previous Hitman games that have funneled you into very specific ways of doing things. I think the tutorial level of Blood Money, which is on repeated yep. playthroughs, just this kind of dreadful slog before you get to the good part yep. of the game. Mm-hmm. The, the team has grown and evolved so much. And I, I think that each of these levels, perhaps with like one exception, <laughs> are really exceptional. And um, I, I think some of the best that the series has seen. Yeah. And, and specifically, I think really what's noticeable about the the third I hate saying the word game because I don't look at it as a third game. I look at it as the third map pack, almost the third expansion <laughs> to an existing game. It takes the the concept of a private and a public area and escalating levels of security and privacy and actually starts to sweat it and really reinvent what they look like. So Darmo Manor is a, like essentially a, a map which is almost entirely free to, to run around without really any kind of um, compromise or any problems if you do something very specific at the beginning of the game. And that's that's unlike any other Hitman level. And, and it, it has a distinct feel because of that. And, and you know, it's, it's just wonderful to see that they have such an understanding of what their game is and then take it and rip it apart and subvert expectations. All right, we need to get moving on to talking about some of these levels in uh, more detail uh, now, I think. Just before we do, we've got another couple of forum posts. Uh, I will take the first one from Tolkien Taters, uh, forum post, as I say. Uh, Tolkien Taters says, I haven't played Hitman 2 yet, so this was a pretty major upgrade over 1. Every level aside from the final was fantastic. I especially liked Chongqing and uh, Berlin, along with Dartmoor. I do wish there had been more IC agents in Berlin. Side note, really? Um, but IO nails this gameplay and it looks phenomenal. I'm really excited to see what they do with the James Bond license. We'll get on to uh, how many ICA agents they were in, there were in Berlin. Uh, I think more would have been really, it uh, would have been interesting. Yeah, how many more could you have packed into that level? Uh, Rich, I wonder if you'd read out uh, the next forum post, please, from Raging Dog. He writes, It feels like part three of one very long game, and that reflects how I played this series, never more than three levels within a particular burst of interest. I'm also not particularly interested in replaying levels endlessly. Blasphemy. I know, it's more like a wonderful holiday pack. I get to spend a couple of hours visiting somewhere nice and murdering millionaires. I can think of a few who I'd like to see in Corsica. Speaking of locations around the world, uh, we start off this game in Dubai. Uh, the mission is called On Top of the World. Uh, it's in a cipher for a, an incredibly tall building in Dubai. It's essentially, here's one of the skyscrapers being, I think, opened in, there's an opening ceremony at the beginning of this, um, that's the new tallest building in the world. You are at the top of it. You don't get the full run of all of the floors, but you've got, I think, three or four floors through the building you can get to. Um, and it, it, 
it's it, it does do an intro. There is a kind of intro sequence you can do. You have two targets uh, during the opening cutscene. Your third target flies off in a in a chopper to be caught up with uh, next um, next mission. I love this level. Mm-hmm. Probably my favorite in the game. I think I'm going to be the yeah. outlier. I've, I kind of spoke to that uh, previously in the green room. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this the reason it's my favorite level. It reminds me so much of Paris from the first Hitman game. Mm-hmm. It's just a great introduction. Kind of introduces you in in a spit of a story way that's unlike in the previous games to where mm-hmm. you're kind of sneaking along the roof and climbing in and putting your suit on. And then on previous, and excuse me, on subsequent attempts, you just start with the suit and your starting location. Yeah. But you, when you come in from the outside and you come into that main atrium, and it's just all that sunlight flooding that golden room. It's just like. Man, that's just Hitman to me. You know what I mean? It's just like mm-hmm. this grandiose, mm-hmm. completely over the top. And I, <laughs> this is gonna sound, this is gonna make me sound like a sociopath. But like, I walked in, I'm like, oh, I'm not gonna be, f- I'm not gonna feel bad killing any of these elitist morons. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, they're literally celebrating their achievement. These billionaires of building the biggest building, and I'm already like, yeah, let's get to off in some of these people. And and yeah, I really think just the the way the level is set up with the building being under construction still kind of having that maintenance aspect, but also kind of playing the high society aspect to get up to the roof um, has some of the more entertaining kills, I believe, in the game um, from the golf ball explosion to to where, where you can actually uh, trigger the exit alarm and slice slice the uh parachutes and literally just kind of stand there leaning against the wall like I-, I wish that in that moment i could be like solid snake and just light a cigarette and lean against the wall as <laughs> watching them jump off the roof with their parachutes pull them and just hear screams and it says both targets eliminated like everything about this level to me is just pure like like that hitman essence distilled mm. and it's and it's easily the level that i spent the most time with uh, yeah, I think I think it's gorgeous. I think the stories in there, like the the um, the mission stories that develop are a lot of fun. And yeah, I really it reminded me so much of Paris from the first game. You got the two targets. You can get them together in certain ways. You can keep them separate in other ways. Like it's just it, it's a nice offering of the whole suite of options that the game provides. Mm-hmm. Right. Like it gives you lots of different avenues and tactics. And it, even much like the first um, like Paris in the first game. It presents you with a, with the targets right away if you want to. There's a great video um, where the, the first target's directly ahead of you, and then the other target is if you look directly up as you enter the building, is on a balcony. Mm-hmm. So if you want to, you can just pull out a pistol, boop, boop, and then, you know what I mean, kind of bounce. It's It does all those things really, really well. It's a nice, everything's synchronized in, in a way that, that I really appreciate. Uh, you know, for me, I think the the villains or the the targets, if you like, are, are very compelling, and it's always delightful when you get an opportunity to off a real estate and banking mogul and a, a energy uh, giant as well. You know, we can all identify against these people for one reason or another. So it's just delightful to get in there and uh, and do the do. And um, yeah, Brian, I do agree. Like, never before has a, a game made me feel more like a sociopath than uh, than this one. <laughs> Okay, so that is the the opening mission, and I guess this is probably. Am I fair in saying the second mission, Dartmoor Death in the Family, which is the the sort of murder mystery one, is probably the most kind of talked about mission in this game. Mm-hmm. Certainly yeah. at release, it was the one that everyone was like, "Wait until you get to this mission. This is the this is the one." I think because it feels like it immediately steps outside of what we've seen with Hitman to some degree. Where, uh, well, let's get into talking about it. Who wants to uh, to talk about their feelings on uh, on the Dartmoor mission number two? I mean, Dartmoor is interesting as a uh, like this is the one where you are. I mean, right off the bat, you're outside this this kind of beautiful Victorian mansion in the English countryside, and uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, very heavily inspired by, you know, Clue and the Agatha Christie stories and Knives Out more contemporaneously. Like there's this feeling of the classic kind of mansion murder. And, uh, you know, upon entering the level, you immediately see a detective who's rolling up that, you know, the game is inviting you to take this guy out, you know, put on his clothes and pretend that you are the detective and, um, you know, go through this entire level and uh, try to kind of suss out this murder mystery, which I think is a very interesting, you know, it's one of those levels like we've seen in some of the previous games where one key costume is essentially kind of an open door pass uh, throughout Mm -hmm. the entire level. And as long as you're wearing the detective's costume and you go through the proper kind of introductory steps with the the butler at the beginning of the mm-hmm. of the mission then uh, yeah you're given pretty much free pass to anywhere just about anywhere in the mansion not entirely but um it, it's a really great way of letting people do that first run of a level where you're just kind of learning and learning and exploring and discovering where everything is and how everything kind of fits together um, there's some really amusing opportunities in this one. In particular, you can assist one of the family members in assassinating your target for you. Uh, <laughs> it's somebody who she was already planning. Well, I, okay, we've we've given our spoiler warning. <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, it yeah, is somebody that she was planning on killing anyways. And if you, she was planning on poisoning this matriarch of the family, but is having trouble can. Uh, concocting the poison formula and if you go and fix her lab equipment then um you know 20 minutes later or something like that uh, you will be greeted sometimes unexpectedly with a target eliminated message uh, as the um the target has been uh has been killed by another character which is uh which is an amusing thing to do accidentally i've never done yeah. it accidentally i've always only done it on purpose but i've heard of it happening to people that were not expecting it and that sounds like a um like a delightful thing to to happen upon um but yeah essentially you're going through this mansion you're talking to all the various kind of troubled residents of um members of this of this um upper class you know white english family that's uh has all of the you know personality quirks like you'd expect from one of these or one of these types of stories and um yeah i think overall it's uh it it's very uh i i think it's successful in what it does the narrowness of the central story means that it's not as replayable as some of the other levels yeah. um but i had a great time working out the mystery i think the mystery is challenging enough and doesn't button up every loose end for you that you do have to make, you know, some kind of logic-based deductions yourself as a person rather than the game kind of hand-holding you through the experience. So, um well-constructed. Yeah. Uh, the mansion is fun to explore. I I love these old kind of Victorian mansions anyways and so I'm uh, kind of here for it as it is. So, uh, I I end up really liking this level. Yeah, I I actually think that this is possibly my favorite level i recognize that perhaps it's not the strongest level given that but it certainly doesn't kind of align to the the typical hitman formula but i think narratively it, it's super interesting and just to kind of unpack this a little bit you are there attending the uh full funeral of alexa carlisle who is one of the providence 
uh, and and a beautiful facsimile of, of Margaret Thatcher. So it's always very pleasant <laughs> to to find ways to to murder the Iron Lady. Um, and you're also sequent like at the same time, um, her brother has been murdered by one of her other family, and it just kind of weaves over one another. And it, there's some really interesting observations to do with actually implicating certain people, even though you know that they're not actually the the murderer, yeah. just to try and sort yeah. of uh, get closer to Alexa and, and have that opportunity. And ultimately, there's a, a number of ways that it can end in quite unexpected manners. So, for, for example, if you reveal that um, the it's Emma, who's her daughter, daughter-in-law, is actually her niece as well. So there's a beautiful kind of uh, incestual kind of Middle England, almost like highfalutin nod and wink at uh, the, sh- the, the the shallowness of the gene pool among the, the social mm-hmm. elite there. Um, Alexa will kill herself. She'll just take herself off the the edge because of um, uh, knowing about the relationship with uh, a niece come daughter-in-law and also that um, the whole reason that um, Alexa is kind of the head of the family in the position that she's in was actually orchestrated not in error but needlessly through the murder of her brother it's just a, a really interesting level I think mechanically obviously it's a level that gives you a lot of freedom there's very little distinction between public and private spaces if you have the right type of costume and it's a very observant and, and slow paced level I think it's a, a a good one and obviously it's just rife with humour and, and I'm going to double down it's delightful to watch Alexa who looks the spitting image of Margaret Thatcher meet her end yeah this game only reinforced the fact that I really do want a third person Hercule Poirot game. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like a, just a full on Agatha Christie who done it isn't a point and click just like a you play the role of that detective going through. Um, and I find it amazing that they were able to fit that entire mystery in and solve the actual murder correctly or incorrectly. You can do all that and finish that mission story without having accomplished any of the main goals of the mission uh which are uh you know obviously killing alexa and it's retrieving what's the item you have to retrieve from the safe james i'm sorry i i I'm, you have to uh, it's, it's a document it, of the whereabouts of of the um of, of edward yes the yeah yeah the constant yeah. right okay so um and you can you can do all that stuff without without ever um in, engaging at all with the mystery and obviously there's still the silent assassin suit only challenges you can do and it just it's fascinating that 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 whole clockwork murder mystery thing is in there that you can just decide to engage with or not engage with. And hmm. I found this to like on a first playthrough um, was incredible. And but I also found it to like because that whole mystery is really good to not have the same replayability as some of the other levels, just because yeah. when I felt I had done it that way, I kind of that was the way I wanted to do it now. Um and I still went through, I think I ended up level 10 in at some point because hmm. playing the funeral director is always a lot of fun and getting her to literally push her in a grave and cover her in dirt is funny. And um, there's all sorts of good stuff there to, to, to be had. But I think this this level has the strongest first impression if you take that kind of core route, like Ryan was describing, getting that yeah. kind of unlock all areas costume. You have those meetings with her and her and when you think you figured it out up in her office and it really it. it strikes a really great impression um that being said i don't think it's the most interesting hitman level but i think it was easily in this game is kind of like that like that that standout set piece of just like wow the amount of thought programming um 
like just pure level design that, that had to make this all work. And I actually found that house to be uh, maze like in itself to where I found myself getting lost in the house quite a bit, just because that's kind of how all those old mansions are. You know what I mean? It's just the same, same flooring, same walls, same. And I'd find myself coming out on the wrong side of the second floor and having to get to the other side. Like it was just, it was a real interesting, like kind of nut to crack. But once I had cracked it, I kind of felt like, yeah, that's what I really wanted to get out of this level the rest yeah. of my time was just kind of making the numbers go up but still yeah, super yeah. impressive in in that aspect at the end of the dartmoor level you get back to so the first time you play through it forces you to go to one exit and i was completely thrown by this i was like no i picked up the bolt key thank you very much that reminds me of uh, montana from the hitman yeah. one right you had to go out through the basement yeah. the first time right because you had to get that yeah. that story You've got beat. to go and see the yeah. uh, the the wall of red string and photos yeah. um yeah absolutely and in this case you have to leave on the bike that you arrived on because as you approach you'll start overhearing a radio message that tells you that uh lucas gray um, has been compromised, his location's been compromised, and he's got people coming for him. So in this level, you are looking for a dossier. Um, Arthur Edwards has basically made a, an attempt to take over Providence and started gathering all the finances and basically stealing money uh, from them. Uh, and uh, he's the next person you're going after, but it turns out he's come after you first, and he's actually sent ICA after uh, your employer, after Lucas Gray. Uh, and you then head uh, over to um, Berlin, where you, again, another start to this level where you're kind of, you have the cutscene, and then it turns out the ICA is coming for you, and you need to, um, so they already have Diana, uh, Lucas Gray has been killed, uh, or killed himself, sacrificed himself to save you, having to give yourself up or give yourself uh, away. Um, and you are now trying to get more information. ICA have basically infiltrated a um, nightclub in Berlin and are looking for uh, Olivia, the hacker that you're working with. So you are uh, trying to get into uh, the um, the nightclub and trying to basically scare off ICA. And this is the mission that was mentioned uh, as having uh, a large... but for some of our, our uh, listeners, not large enough number of uh, targets. 11 in total in the in the mission. One is a gimme at the beginning that you kind of run into on a linear intro. And before I unleash the three of you on this level to talk about it, I'll quickly run us through another Cardboard Cowboy uh, comment from the forum. Cardboard Cowboy says, Berlin is set in an underground nightclub that is obviously IO's stand-in for the famous Bergen, uh, I presume that's apologies for pronunciation, Bergen nightclub. Having spent the majority of my 20s out in dark, hard trance and techno clubs at weekends, the feelings of being at an actual club is stunningly realised. I loved seeing the sweaty NPCs on the dance floor, the drug dealer hanging out by the toilets, the queue for the cubicles that never seem to move, and people hanging out in the bars and chill-out areas. It's definitely one of the most realistic clubs I've seen, not only in gaming, but across most forms of media. It's a compliment to the composer, uh, Niels by Nielsen, who's done the whole trilogy, by the way, just my note aside there, that the club music for this level doesn't get at all annoying upon repeated listens, perfect for a game where replaying levels is pretty much a necessity. It is, in fact, a minimalist techno banger, and I frequently listen to it whilst doing the housework or popping to the shops. Plus, being able to disguise yourself as a DJ, sabotage the pyrotechnic equipment, and then take out two targets whilst performing to the crowd is one of the all-time great assassinations. 
another really strange one that I don't think there's been a, a Hitman level that I can recall where you've had 11 targets all spread them out amongst hundreds of uh, NPCs who are all over the place in this club. And then there's a gang hideout at the back. You've got like canal area down the side that's being patrolled. Um, you've got long queues to get into certain like VIP areas or to get into the main club. Um, there's just so much going on here. This is probably my favorite level in the whole series. I, okay. I, I think that this one is really exceptionally designed and is kind of like these developers like at their best, like not again, trying to steer away from best, but I mean like as, mm, as far yeah. as like performance and like honing their craft after so many years of designing these types of levels, like you really feel the the practice you really feel the elegance in the level design. I think that the this level is exciting to move through. It's I, I mean beautiful to look at. You know, with the uh, the laser light shows that are going off in the mm-hmm. dance floor, and even the outside area. You start off at this gas station, um, kind of alongside yeah. this uh, pretty remote highway, and have to wander through this forest area, which you know it looks really nice as well. Uh, before kind of coming on to, you know, you kind of crest this hill in a way and then see the entire layout of the building, this, you know, mm-hmm. kind of brutalist uh, cube building that's just kind of sitting out there in the middle of nowhere, kind of surrounded by construction equipment. And it's, it feels, um, it feels grungy, but in a, in a kind of cool underground way. Uh, and, and then just, you know, moving through all of the different areas you know, especially the first time through where the uh, the targets aren't marked on your map. They aren't visible in your um, Hitman site. They are, uh, they're not indicated to you in the same way that um, most targets yeah. are in other levels that you have to kind of put yourself at risk by uh, walking around the level, understanding that they are simultaneously hunting you down and are formidable foes in and of themselves if they find you. So, you know, you don't know how much they know about you, whether they know what you look like, whether they'll recognize you in disguises, which invariably they will. They are all enforcers for, I think, all disguises. I'll have to check on that. I don't know if maybe there's some, like the DJ disguise. Sometimes one-off disguises are kind of exceptions to a lot of the enforcer rules. But anyways, it's a uh, it's a really nice kind of cat and mouse game where both parties are aware of each other and are trying to be the ones to get the drop on the other one. And um, it, it's so exciting to, you know, there's so many good, like even the small kind of uh, scaffolding staircases. There's some really nice following targets upstairs and trying to stay out yeah. of line of yeah. sight to try to figure out like what they're doing. And then another target kind of moves into range. You find out that they interact and, Try to, you know, observe both of them at once. Try to keep them both in your line of sight while not being seen yourself. Like this, this to me feels like uh, a really, really, it's just a really, really elegant level. And uh, there's, it, it feels like it makes great use of all of its space, which isn't something that I can say for all or even most of the Hitman levels in the series so far. Mm. It feels like it's, uh, like every corner is it kind of presents a fun challenge at you know various points in uh, you know tracking down these various targets and the fact that the targets are 
optional as well. You only have to kill five of them out of the 11, mm-hmm. which is less than half. So no, don't know why I'm doing the, the math for all of you. you you're tracking. <laughs> you get it. With regards to to this level in particular, I think the idea is better than the actual execution. I think the the mm-hmm. kind of the, the, everything traces back to a vision. The the game makers toolkit video that you've shared with us actually makes a lot of sense, and there's a lot of thought in tracing things back to logical, sensible kind of rational decisions that really ought to be creating a, a like a, a fun experience, but. If you're a player like myself who really finds a lot of delight in actually exercising some of those narrative beats, they're very svelte in this particular level. And actually what I find is that in trying to take out some of the, or as many of these players as you can, you're really kind of reverting back to the kind of Hitman 101 formula, which is strangling and uh, snapping necks, dropping pipe Mm. bombs and gas canisters down chimneys um poisoning things so there's it 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 almost feels like it's more of a kind of um it it feels much more like a um like a target level i forgot what the 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 name of the arcade mode is um but but it's just a little bit less kind of um narrative and and separately also you know I don't delight in murdering a load of colleagues you know for me I, I kind of want to stick it to the 1% of the 1% and that's where the fun comes from I think save from the last level which is such a departure um from everything that we've seen up so far I I really didn't get along with the Berlin level at all I thought the idea was good like like Rich said and again I'm not taking away from the complexity of it all and making it all work it's very impressive I just even on subsequent playthroughs where you get to go back in and kind of pick a starting location, the targets you've already eliminated have been revealed, all those things. Like, the mystery and the idea of being both the hunter and the hunted, I think, is is interesting, and I think the concept is really cool. I just don't feel like it was executed in this level in a way that that made it that much fun to play. Um, I felt like it was very... It made made the cost of mistakes incredibly high, higher than normal. Mm-hmm. Which I can understand why some players would enjoy that that added added assessment of risk. It, for me personally, it kind of broke all the things that I that I really liked about uh, about Hitman. I also I and this is not this is personally just personal preference. Um, I, I found the environment um while authentic uh, per our correspondent um the, there I found it fairly drab and with a mm. lack of interesting opportunities for um creative assassination and things like that. I, I don't know um. It was kind of an interesting to me because I, I kind of labeled as the guy who likes everything um, <laughs> because I because I play a lot of different games and I, and I like a lot of things. Um, and, and I tend to be able to look past some of the, the more uh, jarring issues with things just because it, I like the way it feels or the way it plays or the way it sounds or whatever. But with this level Hitman, um, it's the only level that to this day, aside from the train level, I keep saying that. That that I um that I really struggled to keep going back in to gain the level ten mastery of. I found the the kind of side area off the club that was kind of like the multi tiered warehouse. I found that I found that especially vacant and void of any character or distinguishing characteristics. Um, anything outside of the club proper, I just didn't find myself enjoying navigating that space. And I found I was a lot of the discovery of the area, discovering where things were, where this item is hidden, where this is. I feel like it was taken away in service of the idea. And I think the idea, like I said, was, was well executed on. It just wasn't what I enjoy from these games. So, um, so a, a lot of people talk about this, this level being their, their favorite from the series or favorite from the game, but it's actually the level that I find myself kind of, um, even leading up to the show, I made a made it a point to play through every level again all the way through just mm-hmm. to make sure. And, and this one was the one that I just still felt when I was 
hovering over that start button. I was like, I don't, I really don't want to do this. And that, and that's just, I know I'm the outlier there. And, and I think every point no. everybody else made was valid. And I see the reasons for it. I just think they don't suit my personal preference and play style. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's 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 interesting, and I think it speaks to the fact that you take an engine and a set of tools and a set of mechanics that are consistent between levels, and you design the level differently, and it can feel like a very different game from one level to the next. This game doesn't really allow you to just have one consistent style of play and stick with it, and what that means is where it pushes you out of your comfort zone, that can be very rewarding, but it can also be disappointing if you don't get the thing you enjoy from this level as as brian it sounds like you don't get the thing that you enjoy about the dubai level from this right they weren't intending to do that of course but that that doesn't change the fact that you you have a preference and and you know you're you're going to respond differently to a different uh setup for a level so yeah right and then just incredibly briefly that's the thing that that Mm. you both said um james and ryan both said about this level Mm. is the the swing this level took Mm. And how it connected mm. for you guys, I think, is like that should be applauded in, in all areas of game development because because I feel that like if this level is just another by the numbers Hitman level, I Brian might have liked it more, but it might have been much more forgettable for the general mm, player. To yeah. now, this has become one of the levels that everybody talks about is like this is that shining example of what yeah. this series can do, and it just didn't work for me. But I think it's super awesome that it worked for so many others. Well, speaking of missions that work and don't work for us, I think the next one, I I have such a... I don't know whether I... I I love the way this level looks and I love the setup of Mm -hmm. it, but it (laughs) feels to me so constrained with certain pinch points where you just have to go through that door to get to the next part of the level. Even as I explored, like th- this this level, Chunking, uh, End of an Era, is the mission. You've got Hush, who is in a tower block, carrying out heinous experiments mm. on people to try and prove that he is the smartest individual ever to have lived. Basically, it's an ego trip that he's doing to try and make himself smarter, but ultimately just trying to prove himself smart. Have I just... Mm, is Hush they them? And have I I've just referred to as him, possibly? Oh, I'm not sure. Uh, I want to say I've got a vague memory of that. Apologies if that's the case, folks. I, I've got a vague memory of that, but I didn't replay this mission in the story capacity. I replayed it as an escalation without that character there. So apologies if I've just um, used incorrect pronouns for Hush. I think that might be the case. Um, and then you've got Imogen Royce, who is very much a data analyst, businesswoman running uh, this uh, data center that is underground. And so you've got like four floors above ground level and four four or five floors below ground level, it is a massively vertical level, and it's not small mm. in terms of its expanse horizontally either. But in the data center, there are so many key cards where you just have to get through certain doors. You can go through vents, but <clears> it feels very constrained, and there's only a couple of different routes into the data center. And then the um, tower, it always feels like I'm either scaling a pipe to get in through a window or I am stealing a costume to get me in in the ground floor, which kind of speaks to every level, but it feels like there's only a couple of ways into the two parts of the levels where I need to go for my targets. Yeah, I'll say that this is a very annoying suit-only silent assassin just because of those choke points. That, I think that's it. Yeah, I think that's the that's a great way of putting it, yeah. That, this, to me, is a, is a divided level because that first half is so cool and so rife with mm-hmm. personality and it's like the way it looks and you're going through those like laundromat restaurant areas and kind of like sneaking up onto these rooftops and, and you can do the drone stuff if you like and, and set up that sniper opportunity when you try to get them Which both really on that cool, yeah. glass. Yeah, that, that, that first half of the level, I think, is just gorgeous and so well-realized 
And then you get into into the the secure facility, and it feels a lot like um, Hokkaido from Hitman One, yeah. where everything's very secure, very gated off. That it's interesting, and it's it's an interesting dynamic. But you're right; if you're trying to do the silent assassin suit only, it is a bear. I want to say this is one of the two, the last level being the final one, where I I had to full on watch a guide for how did people even get in this place wearing only a suit. Those choke points, like you said, James, are are really severe and very harsh with their criteria yeah. for getting through. Yeah, I'm I'm a little bit cool on this level as well. I think that the uh, the above ground section is really interesting. It's really well designed, but the more interesting parts of the level aren't the places where the targets are located, and so you end up kind of passing through the more like well designed, more interesting parts. And to their credit, I think that the the better portions of this level are shown off and are exhibited really well for like what they can accomplish in the what is it the Seven Deadly Sins DLC. Mm. They revisit yeah. Yeah. this level at least once or twice and uh, really make good use of the space and present a, a much more compelling utilization of the uh of the chongqing map than i think the the main mission does unfortunately mm. um i think that from a tone perspective hitman throughout its entire lifespan is at its weakest when it is going for the more kind of like edgy type of sensibility and this one i think yeah. with the medical experiments on the homeless and stuff like that i i think kind of spills over into that edgy zone and it's just kind of uncomfortable and gross to be a part of um mm. which is not the type of hitman stuff that i typically like to go for yeah i think that the uh the, the the pink and purple color palette is very beautiful i think that the there's so many interesting ways in and out of the apartment buildings at least on the kind of lower levels i love going in through mm. windows and getting some key items i know there's like a couple windows that i always want to visit every time because they have really important items in them. And uh, there's such great kind of interconnectedness between the those lower level apartment buildings. But as you get higher into the building where the uh, the first target is located, like it does choke point you, it does really rely upon. Yeah. I mean, that one, that target I think is feasible in a pretty tense and interesting pseudo silent assassin and you know that's that's kind of a fun challenge to get into that building, but the uh, the underground base, I think, for pseudo only silent assassin. Oh, it's is- really frustrating. It feels like it's a lot of chance to try and get out of there once, even if you've successfully managed to silently kill Imogen Royce yeah. and steal or or download the data. Then alarms go off, and it it, it feels like it's a very orchestrated situation where it, it was real hit and miss as to whether I could get out of there with someone spot without someone spotting me. Even using all the vents, even if I knew exactly where I was going, they've got guards running around uh in still in fixed patterns, but it's really tough to spot the windows to get yeah. out of there. And it yeah, it was one of those where I was like, oh I'm glad I've done that because I don't mm-hmm. want to do that again. Even even getting in, even on those higher levels though, it feels like there's not very much choice in like the routes that you take because it just feels like the there's so many kind of eye lines that are facing in every direction and i do really appreciate one of the more kind of creative measures that i really like in this one is that you can use the camera hacking tool to like fog up the the mirrors or to yeah essentially yeah. use that kind of like yeah definitely put the blinds up to to cut off some of those eye lines but it still feels like you're really 
you're really kind of funneled down a very narrow pathway. You see that come up again in the the packed in um, escalation missions, and it's just yeah, the underground base. I just think isn't isn't as well suited for like player choice and player expression as some of the more kind of creative yeah. open-ended levels the observation that i would make uh, is not necessarily anything um revolutionary given what's been discussed but what i find is this level feels very oppressive and it's largely from yeah. the, the sense of locomotion you know you are crawling a lot or climbing a lot or being forced oh that's interesting yeah. um in a way that you don't necessarily yeah. have that kind of momentum that you would normally carry in a level and and, and th- with regards to hush i found that even following the kind of the the guided trajectory of the story beats there was no elegant way to make the transition from taking a homeless person's uh outfit if you like and then actually getting into the patient's part it still required a little bit of kind of like finagling to get the the next costume which you know ha- has more along with alignments of like a, a more ad hoc approach to the level so it it, it just felt a little clumsy yeah, yeah, I definitely, I, I quite like the fact that a lot of the kind of story missions, you, the storylines you can do, that you can opt into or you can just follow without actually following the, the prompts, you can just uh, carry those out. I like the fact that they don't lead you right to the point where you, it says, and now kill them. It kind of puts you in a situation where you could. And this one, yeah, I, I felt it left me too far away from being able to just carry out the the assassination myself. but not so far away that I could be creative in how to complete that loop. So I could get myself into the experiment. I could be the the patient that Hush wanted and get myself into the chair, but I didn't feel like it was that easy to then get it to the point where you could actually carry out the assassination. It felt a bit clunky that you had to go into the other room and swap a component around. And then there was a lot of stuff to do that all the while was quite difficult to achieve to get that satisfying end to that experiment uh, storyline. Right. And and the other thing I'd say is I, I don't actually think it made a great deal of sense. Like logically, I couldn't quite parse exactly yeah. what it was that was going on in those two yeah. chairs. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's funny, Rich. I had never considered that locomotion aspect until you just brought it up now. And I think it's absolutely spot on just because you have so many of these levels that are just built upon you, like making these incremental progress. But it's normally because you're sneaking around a, or trying to lure somebody off or or make a disguise or, you know, to achieve it, to, to acquire a disguise. But in this one, it's literally that you are just being forced into limited physical space. And a, a lot of those sections, like kind of getting into that main terminal room at the end, you're kind of just hanging on a ledge and waiting or shimmying along a lot. You know, it's, yeah, yeah, it it's really does going. impair your, your ability to get through quickly. And I hadn't considered that before, but that's, yeah, that, that, that hits the nail on the head for, for where this level falls apart for me. Yeah. Not a favorite for any one of us by the sounds of it. The last sort of uh, standard, uh, standard's unfair, that makes it sound like I'm, <laughs> the, the, the last kind of uh, is typical uh, Hitman mission for this game is the farewell, um, where um, you are going to a winery where uh, Diana has been invited in order to try and, uh, Arthur Edwards is trying to position her as the next constant but there are a couple of people one of whom really doesn't want her to be constant and another of whom really wants to be constant themselves who are trying to who's ostensibly diana has to go and convince but the convincing is 47 could you just get these people out of the way please because ultimately if you don't 
um, they are going to try and kill um, Diana. So um, so that's the, the goal here. It means that Diana's on the map. She is there and you are ostensibly working with her, but you're already getting the sense that mm, she could be, because we, the audience, we, the player, has been fed information that suggests she may be going along with this uh, to to help you, but she could be going along with it uh, because we've now since previous um, mission found out that she now knows that Agent 47 was the one who killed her parents, which is a complete departure from previous Hitman games uh, where they've brought this sort of tie-in that uh, she lost her parents as a uh, sort of uh, not com- very young child, but as a child. And it turns out that it was one of Agent 47's very first missions. Uh, he didn't know who they were and didn't know that he would then meet her later. But uh, yeah, that's been revealed to her. Anyway, that's the background for what is a um, an open sort of winery with um, the, the vineyard. And then you've got kind of the flashy, the the flashy kind of visitor center attached to it where they're throwing this big event. Uh, they've got a, a party going on, essentially. They've got the vats and the processing plant underneath. And then you've also got the kind of estate mansion on the hill. Uh, it's a it's a really big level, actually, because there's so much mm-hmm. going on underground as well as on ground. It doesn't look initially that big, but you've also got, like, um, you've got a lot of sort of staging for essentially military like level sort of security team that's on site as well there's a huge amount uh to this this map but it ultimately is an incredibly like slapstick sort of funny level in some ways uh specifically some of the kills in the actual uh wine production area where it's the most like pointed sarcastic <laughs> sardonic uh comments being dropped about how you could kill these people and it's 47 at peak sort of i'm gonna say the thing without saying the thing about how i'm actually gonna kill mm-hmm. you uh and and also the kind of winks between 47 diana there's lots going on in this uh level it's quite spectacular one thing i will just say before i hand it over to uh y- you all i didn't notice this but i did read this which was due to budge tree and covid constraints in this level, rather than getting um, Argentinian uh, voice actors to record in kind of authentic Argentinian accents and and uh, local um, kind of language, they actually reused Mexican and Colombian NBC dialogue from previous Hitman games. I didn't notice that. I, I wouldn't necessarily, to my shame. I, I, I'm not that au fait with Spanish that I would be able to pick up um, the different sort of South American um, dialects. But the the kind of the reasoning given was that they didn't have enough budget to do VO recording for Chongqing mm. and Mendoza, and time constraints mm. brought yeah. in by the pandemic kind of meant they had to make a call. So worth pointing out for any South American listeners if the if the NPC dialogue doesn't sound quite right, that's why. Okay, on to the uh, level itself. I've given us a, an introduction for this, Brian. How did you find uh, the farewell? Brian Edwards' Hitman, Hitman is back, baby, right here <laughs> in this one. Um, all, all joking aside, I, I think that this this level is a pretty by the numbers hit, Hitman level. Um, I think some of the, the the you know the 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 great press, the the filling the room with water and electrocuting somebody, like all all that stuff is is a lot of the 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 stuff I come I come to Hitman for. Um, pretty big fan, and honestly, I think I have more rose colored lenses um, viewing this level because it came off the back of Chongqing. Like I think in mm. just specifically in contrast mm. with that level, it was kind of like getting back to what I really enjoyed about Hitman. 
we talked about the story before not being that effective. That last dance kind of section with Diana was pretty effective, I think. Like after the, hmm. the, the targets have been taken out, you meet her on the dance floor and you kind of have this conversation. And like, I, I thought that was a really nice way to finish the mm-hmm. level. Um, made a lot of sense, um, for, which is not something this game does all the time, as, as Ryan mentioned before, you know, or, uh, excuse me, Rich mentioned um, before about like not quite making sense about how some of the story stuff is happening. And I thought it was a nice bow on the quote unquote traditional uh, Hitman levels in this game. Um and yeah, it it has those really fun and and kind of more goofy opportunities, which I think you kind of needed as a palate cleanser to to before the final level. So um, yeah, it worked pretty well for me. It probably wouldn't make my top list of maps, but I, but I did enjoy it quite a bit. I think that this is one of the best maps that has been designed in the series. Like the there's so many interesting areas that are you know so different from each other. It's easy to kind of form the mental map of where everything is in relation to mm-hmm. everything else. There's so many kind of interesting connections and, and back back roads into these different areas. They, uh, they have so many kind of s- small and, and cool, like arcane secrets to discover as well, which is one of my favorite things in these mm-hmm. Hitman levels, you know, kind of like finding the uh, Phantom of the Opera uh, suit in the uh, Paris level in Hitman 2016. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I love the, you know, some of the promise of the weird discoveries that I made here, like um, ultra vintage bottles of wine in those like yeah. very secure uh, storage safes <laughs> underneath the winery. And the entire level is just absolutely beautiful. You know, I'll mention that like I got married last year and in mm-hmm. preparation for that, like we took a lot of tours of different marriage venues and I got a huge kind of like a lot of memories of that in playing this level, you know, not necessarily that I was looking at places that were that high end, but um, the types of like venue or entertainment venue types of fronts for a business, there was a lot of the same kind of features that I was like, oh yeah, this is where they want to kind of funnel people up to this, you know, area for observation of the view. And they want to kind of, you know, then the crowds kind of flow down to this area where they can get more kind of hands-on with the actual production of the, of the wines and the barreling process. And it's like, that all felt like this feels more than most Hitman spaces. I'll say it like, it feels like a real place that you could really navigate. Uh, It's been said lots of times before, but this feels like, like they're practicing a lot of things for their James Bond games. In particular, the underground military base section feels very GoldenEye. <laughs> like this entire level just feels <laughs> extremely James Bond. And I hope that they, I hope that the James Bond game does kind of feature this balance of not only the, you know, undercover military base espionage, but also this kind of intermingling with the upper crust that James Bond does so well. You know, this kind of balance feels well considered here and I, i'd love mm. to see them carry that forward as as many compliments as i want to continue giving the map and just its exceptional design every area is so fun to get in and out of mm. I, I love the the area right on the other side of the roundabout at the beginning of the course it's not the vineyard because that's down below but it's the uh, it's like a secondary like field of something's growing there, something shorter than grapevines. Yeah. But that's fun to sneak around in because you have like you have all those bushes that conceal your movement, and then you have to kind of dart across these wide open pathways with guards patrolling between them. Like, just there's so many 
different areas in this map that I just really, really love engaging with. But for some reason, <laughs> the actual assassinations, I have not yet found them to be that fun. I, I mm. love like tricking people into a great press. Like that's going to be fun no matter what game it's in. It takes me back to Agent Under Fire on the PlayStation 2. Another James Bond <laughs> reference there. But um, <laughs> yeah, but for some reason, like the actual assassinations, like I haven't found the ones that I've really kind of honed in on or I've really kind of gotten as much out of as uh, some of the previous levels. And I don't know why that is because I love this map to death and I, I love moving around to it, discovering it, engaging with it, setting up traps, getting to all the secret, weird underground closed off areas, discovering its secrets. But but yeah, there's something about the actual missions themselves that keep it from being an absolute favorite of mine. Yeah. And I, I I can't put my finger on it. That's that's my failure as a reviewer. <laughs> but maybe someday. <laughs> I wonder if it's so the 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 most memorable uh assassination options on this, I I'd argue for me certainly, are the the various uh wine production, the great crushing and and the the various vats and things those are the most memorable ones but you are kind of led by the nose to them assuming you've decided to go on the tour you are being mm. led very clearly to those so you don't get to discover them in the way that you discover opportunities whether or not you're following the missions um the the story opportunities that are built in it takes away a little of that discovery of oh I could do this really cool thing uh because it's being very pointedly and it's deliberately being made very pointed to you that you could probably kill this person in the in the crusher when two people turn their backs yeah, yeah. <laughs> for a second you know yeah. it's that aspect i i mention when it comes to like open world games and and that feeling of i don't want the the marker to point me right to where i need to go give me a general sense of where i need to go and then let me discover it and use your level design use your world design to kind of gently push me in the right direction mm. but make me feel like i'm doing that yeah. i'm not just following the pointer and and it's a little too pointed i think maybe for my tastes that yeah i still got a big kick out of it it's hilarious i think the most interesting situation that it sets up is the moment at which all of the important characters are having this kind of i don't know if it's a dinner meeting they're having kind of a, a meeting around like a table underneath the mansion yeah. and you know for like diana being on the map like doesn't make a huge difference like unless you're going for like sniper kills and you get really sloppy <laughs> like <laughs> but for the most part like she's on board with whatever it is that you want to attempt she's not going to like interfere in your assassinations but like her being in that room was the first time where her being like a protect this target was like a really interesting consideration because there's so many yep. factors like you know, once all the targets get into that room, your first thought is like, oh, brilliant. I could just like set off an explosion. But then you think, no, I've yeah. got a friendly NPC in here as well that I don't want mm -hmm. to kill. Can't do that. So what are my other options? I can I can strategically poison just their drinks, but I don't think I have a I don't think I have a save that goes far enough back to give me time to prep for that. <laughs> yeah. I could uh I could tr uh, try for a ballistic kills from a safe location but you know mm. as the firefight kicks up then dynamic it caught in the crossfire and yeah that scenario that kind of locked uh not quite a locked room murder uh but i i feel like there was such interesting tension bubbling up there and then as yeah. the conversation goes on you get more and more of a sense that the 
that the other actors are no longer trying to hide their intention to kill Diana. And so it's like, oh, oh am I going yeah, to yeah. run out of time as I'm trying to consider what to do here yeah. that they might act uh, of their own accord? <laughs> and so maybe I maybe that kind of prompts me to be a little bit more impulsive as well. But um, yeah, a really, really smart situation there that I, I'd love to maybe yeah. tackle a few more times as well. Yeah, definitely. I, I really liked that. And I think the the kind of, yeah, the succinct way I'd put it is does a really good job in this wide open space where you've had loads of opportunities to kill the targets, but you kind of wanted to see what that meeting was about and it would bring them together so it would mm-hmm. allow you an opportunity. And But as you get closer to that, it compresses time and space for you. Suddenly you don't have the the, the breadth of space to work in. And you you get the sense, absolutely as you put it, that time is kind of running out because you hopefully don't want Diana to die, but also are being told that she is in more and more danger by the, the things that are being said in the room and the way people are acting towards her. And it, it does it puts a lot of tension in a situation where in Hitman levels usually it's I'll just sit here and watch patterns until I spot an opportunity. Usually it's not that time sensitive. And in this case they do a really good job of taking away your your two best weapons, which are patience and and space mm, to move yeah. around in. And those are just gone. Some quick observations on Mendoza uh, as mm-hmm. part of the the kind of conversations that've been going on there. You know the 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 thing that um, narratively I think works with uh, Diana kind of following along with uh, Tamara Vidal is that what it does is it kind of puts Diana in a, a kind of a, a real world position almost with the the counterpart. So she makes an observation about how challenging it is for forty seven to do what he does. Uh, when he actually has to kind of get his hands dirty. And um, the other observation is just on, on Don Yates. Like, obviously, this this gentleman is a New Yorker-turned-politician, and so he's obviously got a nice clear facsimile with Donald Trump, which makes it somewhat um, gratifying to to kill him. And, and in actuality, it's, it's another one of those instances where you can actually have another person kill Don Yates for him if you equip his wife with some of the um, damning indictments of how he's trying to sabotage her career as a... Uh, a, a, a foreign diplomat, and she will kill him for you. So it's it's a really interesting and satisfying um, like narrative to go down. That is not necessarily something that's signposted as well as uh, as the other ones. Yeah, no, it's very cool. It's uh, it's a level that I feel has a lot of variety within it. Uh, where we've been, I've been talking about how each level has a different feel to it, but this one, the different areas of the level feel different, and they present different opportunities uh, and different stories, which is is really cool. Okay, uh, we now move on to the final level of this game, which is a completely different uh, sort of Hitman level. It's still the same mechanics, largely, um, and it's something that's kind of been done before, which is Agent 47 is captured or and or supposedly killed and then put into a position where he has access to a target who he would not have been able to get access to previously, in this case, Arthur Edwards. Ryan, did you want to kick us off with your feelings on this? I think generally not a terribly well-liked level, but as I said, different. So that gets some points for me. How about you? Yeah, just to give some context on this one. So this one mm. is the train level, as uh, you know, Hitman fans will know it. it it's very uncharted in its... Uh, you, you're kind of walking through train cars. You're occasionally hopping on the outside of the train to either shimmy across the sides or to kind of run along its back very linear, although there are a few kind of optional rooms that you can choose to engage with or not, uh, very heavily patrolled by armed enemies. I I think it's kind of notorious for 
uh, funneling you towards action and away from stealth. Although I, I have managed to, you know, multiple times do like suit only silent assassin yeah. runs. So, I mean, it, it definitely is doable, but I'll say just, you know, in context, the way that this level was introduced, you know, before the launch of the game, IO Interactive put out blog posts um, talking about the various locations that they've selected mm-hmm. for the new Hitman games uh, without yeah. telling us really anything about the levels. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, they talked about uh, Mendoza and Chongqing and all these cool locations. And then the the final map of the final Hitman game <laughs> for the foreseeable future was the Carpathian Mountains. And I got so excited because I'm like, yeah. that is where dracula's castle is you know in the (laughs) romanian countryside the carpathian mountains and it's like i was so ready for this to be like the culmination in this this grand kind of haunted castle where maybe you weren't tracking down dracula in particular but you at least were going after some you know rich aristocrat who had a bit of a dracula vibe to him and it was just like this is such an appropriate like final escalation for this series to end up in the Carpathian mountains. And then for that to end up resulting in like, <laughs> uh, just being like a train trip where you don't actually get to do Could anything that involves castles of any variety yeah. was so disappointing. Um, I know mm-hmm. that like this game didn't have a tutorial mission. Mm-hmm. You know, the first game had two tutorial missions that were pretty, you know, small self-contained. The, uh, Hitman two had, the New Zealand mission, which was not, a, I mean, it was a tutorial pretty much. It was very yeah, yeah, yeah. smaller, yeah, small contained. And I guess that's the same role that this one fulfills in being like the game's small mission, making Mendoza the like real culmination of the game. Yeah. It's just that like this one coming at the end instead of at the beginning kind of frames it separately in the minds of fans. And, um, I don't dislike this level as much as most people do. I, I think that it, that's probably me actually projecting um, the most vocal uh, dissonance on social media. Maybe, maybe you know, most people are pretty lukewarm on it. Maybe most people like it. I don't know. I can't guess that. But yeah. at yeah. least uh, I think the reputation that it's held amongst the the most vocal fans is that it's not well liked um, because yeah. it is. Uh, it, it takes away a lot of player choice. I think that it's fun to engage with on an action perspective going in guns blazing because there's, it, it reminds me of the uh, Red Dead Redemption 2 uh, train heists. Uh, you know, the train is such like a, it, it is a bottleneck not only for you, but also for the enemies. And so you can, mm-hmm. if you go in guns blazing, then this becomes kind of like a really fun shooting gallery where the enemies are like almost literally by nature of the, narrowness of the space kind of lining up (laughs) waiting to be taken care of uh in a way that feels very fair in ways that hitman gunfights don't usually feel because you are very much a glass cannon in these games like you're very easy to kill uh but in this one because as linear there you know enemies aren't able to get behind you you're able to kind of plant and uh shoot in a more kind of gears of war kind of way uh so i think the the action, if you choose to play it that way, is uh, is pretty fun. Uh, and then the uh, sneaking, if you choose to play it that way, is uh, pretty enjoyable as well. You know, it's less open ended than the more interesting levels, but there's uh, there's a few choke points where it feels like I can't possibly stealth my way through this, 
and then you have to um there's usually like a nice workaround or a couple hmm. points where you have to make creative use of flashbang flashbang grenades to blind enemies temporarily and just rush past them so it makes for an interesting challenge with um with the uh, uh silent assassin suit only types of runs i i don't hate it i don't love it obviously it doesn't have a lot mm. going for it but um i i'm not i i hesitate to say that i'm negative towards it either so mm. i'm yeah, yeah i guess i'm kind of neutral which i think probably puts me in the upper quadrant of appreciation for this in the uh at least vocal fan base it's antithetical to everything that Hitman has before that, and it doesn't, it, in my opinion, doesn't even express mm-hmm. half of the creativity and actual intent of some of the more um, rigid levels that you would find in, in Hitman 2 in New Zealand, and even the tutorial level for that matter. And I feel yeah, like it's in yeah. service to a need to wrap up a story, which in and of itself wasn't necessarily a requirement for many players. The only thing mm-hmm. that I, I would say that it would be of any interest about this level is I don't think that there was quite a satisfying, grisly and gruesome enough death for the uh, for the gentleman at the end, Arthur Edwards, uh, a man who has kind of historically turned 47 into a kind of human weapon and dehumanized mm-hmm. him and made him into this stoic and staccato kind of killing machine. It's and, a, and it, wants to again as well. Indeed, and and that ending obviously is something that no doubt we'll come on to. But it's just a very mm-hmm. turgid uh, level that really hits the MVP rather than actually asking any interesting and important questions. There's not really any interesting problem solving in this um, yeah. level at all. Yeah. And um and I and I I realize that combat can be an interesting puzzle to solve, and I realize that, that some of those encounters and some of the mm-hmm. ways to get around, and you can sneak around and, and do those things. I just don't find much of it to be engaging or interesting it feels like kind of they attempted to pluck uh an uncharted level and put it in hitman a little bit and that they're trying to create this big set piece moment on this train but the mechanics and and the elements at your disposal don't really allow you to enjoy that as much it's not like you're hiding behind crates and throwing grenades and you know and 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 right on all the way down to single use crowbars brian like yeah exactly yeah it's just strange yeah, strange. Yeah. Maybe this one's a bit of a throwback for fans of Absolution with those more mm-hmm. kind of linear combat-oriented <laughs> hallway two of types them. of setups. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think, yeah, my, my take on it is you still do have options, but the options are go loud, in which case you'll just about be fine to kind of just pick up a gun and, and go for it, or go quiet, in which case you're doing a lot of scrounging like single-use screwdrivers or crowbars or whatever it mm-hmm. is that because it's cold or just breaking i guess i don't know anyway uh and and the third option is suit only and and in each one of those cases you're not given a lot of width you've chosen your path that's kind of what you're doing now there are shortcuts to unlock and that kind of thing so there is stuff to find but largely if you're going suit only you want to be on the outside of that train as much as possible if you're going quiet you're taking people out getting a costume trying to sneak past and you're using the the kind of fairly restricted number of resources you have to kind of get through the train and if you're going loud it's supposed to be a kind of satisfying end to this but i do wonder given it's teaching you that there's multiple different ways of doing it if yeah as you said ryan a constrained level like this kind of fits on the beginning of the game and it's not wouldn't be the first game that had done it if they'd said right Let's have this, and let's ha- let's have a flashback to how we got here. It's a big cliche. Mm, I'm not yeah. saying it's revolutionary, but it puts the constrained, tight, narrow level at the beginning as a tutorial and says, 
as they often do in as they do in this game anyway, they suggest you play through two or three story missions before story opportunities before you go on to the next mission. Do that here. Take someone through and say, here's how you go, you know, all guns blazing. Here's how you go quiet. And here's how you do it without ever changing out of your suit. Essentially the invisible option, if you like. That would have made for a good intro, but I get why they wanted the kind of the end. It does make me a little nervous how like a set piece like this, they need to work on how they present this and make it feel satisfying particularly thinking towards, say, a, like something like a James Bond game, for example. The series has a precedent of, you know, non-linear storytelling and taking things out of sequence. If you look at, like, mm. you know, Silent Assassin, Hitman 2. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there, was, yeah. there was a way yeah, to preserve this level uh, without actually compromising something uh, as, as important as And in fact, as make, making it a, a useful tool for Quite. bringing people yeah. into the game, yeah. Though I don't think this one would have made a very mm. good impression on new players if this was the first Hitman yeah. level that they played. Yeah, like, I don't yeah. think it's no, as interesting fair. as either of the previous game's tutorial stages. Or, or just going straight into Dubai. Uh, obviously, it's a bit daunting, mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah, yeah, no, that's a fair point. It's tough to know where to put this. I think in addition to uh, it being Carpathian Mountains and, and therefore imaginations firing with what sort of, whether Dracula or otherwise, what sort of castle or environment you might be exploring and it being a bit of a letdown. The other thing is that the reason that uh, I had my interest peaked was, it's not the first time we've gone back to, but the uh, lab that uh, 47, the, the the installation that 47 was created and, and grew up in and trained in is in Romania. Mm, and yeah. it, it plays into the, the alternate ending, which is, so your endings are just kill Arthur Edwards and be done with it. Uh, give him the uh, the serum that he's trying to to give forty seven, which wipes memory, uh, essentially returning forty seven to a, a programmable uh, assassin that Arthur Edwards can wield. You can inject Edwards with that and wipe his memory. An incredibly cruel thing to do, uh, but but I guess therefore satisfying. the The other option is to inject yourself. If forty seven has decided that having sort of been betrayed by Diana and having got to the place he's now got to where he's lost Lucas Gray from his life, you can have 47 inject that and then just about give you enough motivation to imagine 47 might do that. You then wake up in the facility again from scratch, now under the control of Arthur Edwards. So that that's why it's in Romania, because it leads back along that path. But again, as far as firing imaginations go, that's kind of the less exciting version of how they could have had that setting and that location as being somewhere to go and explore, because it's a train that could arguably kind of be anywhere. I do find it neat that they've got the kind of um, sense of identity in the brand to bring it back to the original scene from Codename 47 way back in 2000. I mean, it, yeah. it can't exist. It's almost like a, a logical paradox that the two exist because of the way that the relationship between Diana and Agent 47 exists itself. But it's a nice nod back if you've been a, a fan of the yeah. series for the last yeah. two decades. Absolutely. So there we go. For the moment, that's kind of the, the was due to be the last uh, Hitman we had. But this game uh, has a load of other modes. It's worth saying that co-op Sniper Assassin was removed from this game, as I mentioned earlier, and Ghost Mode, where you could kind of race other players' ghosts to to hit and kind of, uh, well, yeah, race one another. Um, Those were removed, but Escalations remain, where you play through levels multiple times with increasingly difficult 
constraints put on you. Uh, elusive targets, the kind of uh, periodic um, release of a new target that's only available for a certain period of time. You get kind of one shot at it. You can exit out of the mission, but if you fail the mission, it kind of, that's it done. Uh, and the ability to create contracts. Uh, and they even did, uh, for the first sort of month or two after this game release, they did kind of featured contracts that either uh, well, initially were different uh, sites in the games media, so kind of funny, MinMax, Eurogamer, Spawn on Me, all kind of made their own featured contract that you could go in and do, and it was kind of marketed within the game for you to do that. Um, a nice kind of way to, to get sites involved in the marketing. Uh, and then they also did that with community-themed levels around the different seasons of Sin that um, were part of the DLC as well. Um, Sniper Assassin is here, all its glory in, in many respects. It's uh, something that's been around since Absolution, um, the kind of sniper missions where you're at a single vantage point and it's a, a puzzle box, uh, kind of nice condensed version of, of the kind of core tenets of, of Hitman without it being the mechanics. Um, and VR. I think it's definitely worth mentioning VR. I never tried VR because what I saw of it made it look like I'd fall over just trying to play it. It looked like it would be very disorienting to be first person 47 uh, moving around the levels. On those other modes, is is there any anything in particular that we want to pick up and highlight? Anything you tried that you really enjoyed? Enjoyed is a strong word for my relationship with what Hitman VR uh, had. I mean, <laughs> I, I went on the Slack and I said within 20 minutes of playing that game, I was hugging the floor. I had developed yeah. cold sweats and exceptional nausea. Um, it is... So, so my review of, of Hitman VR can, can't possibly be an objective and kind of full one. But what I will say is, it is exceptionally impressive that all of the maps on all of the games are fully mm-hmm. realized without compromise in VR, and it's beautiful to behold. It's just a shame it is the most profoundly nauseating experience that I've had in any VR ever. <laughs> Yeah, no, that was definitely uh, my concern. But yeah, like with the ability to bring in legacy levels into the game, that they said, oh, it will be in VR, and it's all of the maps. Just when I heard that blew my mind, and that's why I played on uh, PlayStation. I never tried it, and I no longer have a PSVR to have tried it for running up to the show. But yeah, the footage of it, and I think uh, Ian at Eurogamer did some videos of it, and it looked like the sort of thing that I would really struggle with in VR. So it sounds like, yeah, that, that may well have been the case. I played VR only briefly, and mm. uh, I've enjoyed what I played of it. I, I was lucky enough to where it didn't make me feel sick. Uh, but um, yeah, I took a little walk around Sapienza. Um, I need to work out a couple, like, it's a little bit difficult to launch on my PC VR setup, and I wasn't getting audio. But that's all stuff that I just need to fix on my computer side. It's not any problem with the game itself. But uh, I, I didn't, I mean, obviously, I think the actual engagement with the game as a game... <laughs> in VR uh, doesn't work that well. And I wouldn't recommend that people, you know, go for like actually playing the game to win in VR, but it's uh, so much fun to walk around the stages and to kind of see them at this kind of life-size scale. And in particular, I just noticed that like going in these buildings in Sapienza, I was noticing so many kind of small details that I just never Mm. seen before. And it gave me another appreciation for like how much care and attention was put into even just like really small details in the environment. And I also saw some things that I probably like, oh, yeah, we weren't meant to be this close to this texture. <laughs> like the the insides of cars uh, are pretty impressively modeled, but the uh, texture work in there is pretty dire. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I think that's fine. Like I kind of, I love that kind of mix of like 
good and bad because it reminds you that like, yeah, this is all just like a Hollywood set and it is all yeah, yeah, fake. Absolutely. And that's it makes it more interesting and uh, more impressive in its um, mm. execution of like the things it gets right. So yeah. I, I I really want to spend more time in um, VR in this one and I intend to do so, but uh, I'm not able to give a more kind of full uh, full-throated recommendation one way or the other to this one at the moment. Um, is there the ability just to walk around the maps in VR? Because that would seem like something that would be quite interesting to do. You know, Take all of the mechanics out and just have it being, you You can walk around, you can go anywhere, NPCs are still talking, kind of like a Assassin's I, I Creed kind of discovery. I don't think there is a way to go like completely non-hostile. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, you could turn on casual difficulty and you can, if you know yeah where to get the right outfits, then like you can kind of, minimize challenge but i don't know mm-hmm. if there's a way to go like assassin's creed uh history tour mode yeah, yeah. all i can uh, s- uh say for vr from my experience is that i reached down to grab an item off the table and accidentally punched my two-year-old in the head <laughs> so that was that's my oh, that was my man. start and finish with vr i bet Hitman, yeah, so. absolutely well you hit a man it's right there on the box Got what you <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah exactly <laughs> um but yeah no um it seemed much like Rich's experience. I, even in the ten minutes I played, I was feeling a, a bit woozy, and I was, and I played. I played a significant amount of VR stuff now to where I feel like I shouldn't have those issues, at least not right off the bat. But something about something about it, I'm not sure. It just kind of hit that button in my brain. All right, so that's um, the the kind of list of other modes that are available. There was also quite a lot of DLC. Uh, initially, there wasn't going to be. This is going to be all she wrote as far as Hitman was concerned, but there was uh, Seven Deadly Sins, which was released, not included in the Deluxe Edition, which was a little strange, a little disappointing that that wasn't uh, wasn't included in that, but uh, different escalation missions themed around Seven Deadly Sins released over a period of uh, kind of six months or so between March and October. And as of the 20th of January, so when the the, uh, the first year anniversary, year two was announced, uh, including Elusive Target, a uh, new freelancer mode with a safe house and a mission hub where you can unlock extra stuff, um, and a new map, which is codenamed Rocky, but I don't think we've had any more information than that yet. I think there might be two or three maps that are still forthcoming, and it's oh, okay. unclear whether or not they are counting the freelancer hub as one of the maps. As one and of so, them, sure, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it's still a little bit unclear what's on the roadmap, but I'm really, really happy that we're getting more Hitman content when it sounded like they were not planning on doing so. And and I think that's kind of the big story of the legacy of this game was that this was going to be the closing of the trilogy, but the initial pitch for World of Assassination was, here is a hub we can add in different kind of uh, missions and levels and maps to it and build out this kind of this hub product which is kind of where hitman 3 has got to now all the hitman 1 and 2 stuff's in here the uh, escalation missions all the different other modes are in there and they're being added to the um the elusive targets are still rolling so there's still rolling content going on and it kind of feels like this has now got to me at least it's got to where the promise of that first hitman 2016 was kind of pitched which is really cool to see that Iowa found a way to make that happen and brought it in all under their own control as well. However, in addition to Project 007 and supporting Hitman 3, the third kind of pillar of uh, what we know currently that Iowa are working on is this is not the end to Hitman games. It's the end to the World of Assassination trilogy. Anything that happens in the future will be a completely blank start, potentially. It won't necessarily tie into what we've already had. 
but that is on the table. Um, it's definitely there as an as an option. But the the kind of big headline we've been talking about on and off throughout this is that the uh, the next big project that was announced for IO is Project 007, uh, a James Bond project that is officially licensed, is not going to be based on any previous actors. It's going to be a new take on the, the character. Uh, so we shall see. Exciting. I think there was a lot of excitement around that because of the type of games IO makes and the kind of technical capabilities they have. So that kind of sums up where we are at with, with Hitman. Obviously still more to come in Hitman 3. Uh, we may well revisit IO's games in the future, but for now we will kind of end, before we get to our summaries, with some of your three-word reviews. As mentioned on Twitter on the day of recording, uh, we have uh, a tweet goes out uh, requesting your reviews in three words. Uh, we've had quite a few. So, Brian, could you kick us off, please? Yeah, sure. Uh, John Cheatham says, nicely done, 47. Uh, I'm scratching my head a little of this one. Harvey Watson says, his and hers. Oh, uh, yep. <laughs> Andrew Elman <laughs> says, Carpathia good, actually. Toonskatoon says, super murder maker. Richard Burt says, architect whittles hit list. Uh, Gareth Cutliffe has Silent But Deadly. Tales from the Backlog with 007 Transition Game. Christopher Love says Sexually Harassed Assassin. Jess, also known as Zanzibarland, says Professional Stealthy Sir. Uh, Jamie Smith. <laughs> Finally, Badass Bald Bloke. And lastly, The King Rocker says Multi-Solution Murder Puzzle. We let that one through. I think that's four words. <laughs> Possibly, <laughs> I'm not sure. So there we go. Um, summaries. Uh, I'm going to kick this one off. This was my request, and uh, so I want to just get myself out of the way quite quickly. I mentioned at the beginning of the game, these three games kind of combined, but I could pick, if I had to, any one of them and easily drop them into my top five. Some of that is just my history with the series. Some of it is I legitimately think this is some of the best level design in a game, and as far as this type of stealth game, there is just no one who touches uh, the Hitman series and, and the work I would do. I think it's absolutely astounding. I am thrilled that everything is now kind of packed into Hitman 3 as a platform. Um, and I am more than happy to be have been brought back to this game in prep for the show. And to, as new maps are added, pick that up uh, and to have new Hitman to go back to when uh, 10 years ago, I never thought I would ever have new Hitman to go back to, which is a really cool place to be uh, and leaves me really excited for what is to come from IO in general. Uh, I think they're in a hopefully a really great place. It seems like they are, uh, and that's just really exciting uh, as a, as a kind of unabashed fan. So yeah, that's that's me, Brian. Uh, how about yourself? Yeah, it's hard for me to talk about Hitman Three like as a solitary thing because Hitman in the world of Assassination Trilogy is such an additive experience. Um, it just builds on itself, mm. and it kind of all led to Hitman Three. I think Hitman Three has some of the best moments in the game, and I think it takes some of the bigger swings um, that that out of the three games, and some of them hit for me, some of them didn't, but. Kind of, this is going to sound really sad or something, but just like fundamentally, fundamentally glad that it exists and that I can go back to it. And it's such a replayable game and, and it's just so easy to dip back in and like try a challenge here or there. And, and once you're back in, you, once you kind of relearn the controls, you're just kind of back at it. And it feels like putting on a, 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 a well, putting on a well-tailored suit, we'll say. Um, and uh, and yeah, I um I think that this series of three games is a remarkable achievement and when you're just talking about hitman 3 i think that it is maybe not the best collection of levels out of all three separate games for my money it is however 
part of this wonderfully remarkable thing that I think is an achievement in a lot of ways. And it's a game that will have a permanent spot on my hard drive because you never know when I just want to dip back in for some, you know, murder simulator. It's a lot of fun. Excellent. Thank you very, very much. Uh, Rich, how about yourself? It is very much going to be a case of watch as I beat the same dead horse that you, yourself and Brian have done. <laughs> I, I mean, I guess really all I can do is echo a lot of the same sentiments that you, you've said there. I think just in terms of like my own in, independent observations, I think it's really brave of, of IO to kind of get out there and put out a, a platform and hopefully this kind of... Um, this platform that developed can kind of give a lot of other developers a, a good indication about how to do a little bit more kind of creative preservation of some of the titles that they've got. I'm looking at a lot of the Ubisoft titles that really stand as independent. I really like this game. Yeah, I really like the entire series and I'm pleased to have done it in the order that I did do it because it's nice to kind of have this full suite of uh, of levels available uh, just just in one go. You know, it's it's great. It's, it's good for virtual tourism. I actually like Hitman just for the people watching aspect of it which is something that i never thought i'd admit in, in terms of video games it now feels like the right time to dive into the hitman series if like me you kind of let them stagnate and and not go into them and i would have thought it's fairly cheap and approachable and fairly intuitive at this point to kind of get all the money hard drive and you're unlikely to regret it excellent thank you very very much and finally uh, our editor for this show and uh we'll end on his comments ryan yeah hitman 3 is uh such like a culmination of years of hard work of a team that's really dedicated themselves to making the best stealth games and the most open-ended stealth games that they possibly could. And we, we can see that, you know, even, even though they were seasoned experts when they came into Hitman 2016, they've learned so much since then and have, uh, have used that, that learning and that experience to create a more, more elegant, more uh, brave package than they ever have before and hitman 3 i think is just an exceptional bundle of just really brilliant game design and uh like i mentioned before like it's so open-ended to whatever type of game you want it to be i don't think that there's a gamer out there who wouldn't find some way to engage with hitman 3 in a way that they would find entertaining Mm. it's so like there's so many different ways to play the game. There's so many different things to explore and love within it, whether you are the uh, digital tourist, which I get a lot of enjoyment from just going to these exotic locations around the world and kind of admiring the architecture and the, the graphics, the decoration, the, the art of the world, or whether you are a you know, seasoned stealth professional. I know that stealth games can be a bit of a niche appeal sometimes. Uh, it's a genre that... I think puts people off because it has a reputation for a high demand of master of mastery before you start getting a lot of enjoyment from the game. But I would say that in Hitman's case, there is a very high skill ceiling, but the floor to entry is very, very accessible. And I, I wouldn't dissuade anyone from playing it, no matter how experienced or inexperienced they are with stealth games. I, I think that this particular game is... Uh, just a masterpiece. And though by my own fault, I think I kind of perhaps burned myself out a little bit on too much Hitman 2 before this one came out. And I don't think that this one will have the same kind of spot in my heart that Hitman 2016 or Hitman 2 did in their kind of respective years. But I have nothing but uh, respect for Hitman 3 and its uh, incredible design. And I'm always kind of looking forward to being 
far enough away from my Hitman 2 years to where I start mm. getting that itch to uh, to really go back in and really start canning Hitman 3 because I know that there's so much there that I want to accomplish and see and do. And um, it, 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 this like really would be like my desert island game, assuming that my desert island has a consistent internet connection because that is vital to getting the most out of this game, unfortunately. But uh, it's it's a game where there's just endless things that you can, endless meaningful things, I will say, that you can do and accomplish and see and challenges to complete stuff. And so I just, uh, I can't imagine getting to the point in this game where there's no more fun to be had. <laughs> I, I really love Hitman 3 yeah. and uh, the Hitman trilogy in general. And um, I, I'm nervous to see what IO does next, but I hope that they carry forward the spirit of Hitman into the 007 project. And I hope that they um, continue to improve on this stark upwards trajectory of Hitman quality with whatever happens within this series in the future. Uh, yeah, thank you very much for that. Uh, all that remains is for me, James, to thank Ryan, Rich, and Brian, as well as all of our correspondents, and of course, you for listening. Next time in issue 520, we ask in my best Samuel L. Jackson impression, have you ever levitated in the oldest house, listener? In a firefight, did you feel an overabundance of control? <laughs>